0: That's Erin Costello with Lights Down Low from her new album Sweet Marie. Sweet Marie is album number 5 and the follow up to 2016's critically acclaimed Down Below the Status Quo, one of our favorite albums of that year. Now, The new album features 10 songs recorded in 10 days last winter in a house by the sea in Little Harbour, Nova Scotia, with support from some of the top musicians in Canada. We caught up with Aaron Costello on the road to chat about the new album. How are you doing today, Aaron?
1: I'm great. I'm great. Thanks so much for taking the time to chat.
0: I'm so pleased to do that. Now, I gather you're already out on tour. We'll talk about the tour dates a little later. But before we get there, let's talk about this wonderful new album. As I mentioned in my preamble, it is album number five. I love your music. I love the incredible voice you bring to your music and the wonderful songs. This album feels a little different, though. Sweet Marie, the first track is called Introducing Sweet Marie, which gives me an impression that, you know, you're trying to do something a little different here. And I want to use that as a way to lead into talking about the project.
1: Sure. Um, Well, I think that I I had come to make records a certain way over the last four records, which is, I would allow them to drag on and take a really long time. And so I would go back into the studio and re-record things. And, uh, and, you know, a lot of that had to do with finances. So in little fits and spurts, I could afford to go into the studio. But by the time I was on the fourth session, I wanted to change everything from the first session. So uh, and, and in now producing other people, um, I've discovered that, you know, maybe taking a long time doesn't make it better. So I wanted to really push myself, and I wanted to try and make this record in 10 days. And Sweet Marie kind of became this confident character, uh, this person that I could kind of draw on inside myself. And all of the songs are kind of through her eyes, I guess, this confident version of myself.
0: Now, Sweet Marie, I I mean, she's not a real character, but I gather that, does she come out of a Randy Newman song?
1: She does, yeah. Uh, well, I love that song Marie by Randy Newman. It's one of my favorite songs of all time. I think it's so romantic. But, you know, in listening to the lyrics, I started to allow myself to kind of wonder who Marie was and what if Marie didn't like the song. I mean, then it became kind of a stalker song, and, and then every love song became kind of this creepy stalker song. And then I felt like it kind of ruined love songs for me after that. So I wrote Introducing Sweet Marie as kind of a response from Marie's perspective, which is completely tongue-in-cheek, and, and 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 there is still a grain of truth in it, in a way. And so it allowed me to kind of then say anything I wanted in any song that I was writing, which was great.
0: Does that mean that you were in the Marie character for all of the songs on the album? I mean, it, how much is you and how much is Marie?
1: Well, I think Marie is me. I think that she is like, uh, you know, the... You know, when you have an argument with someone and then you walk away and say, oh, I wish I had said that. Like, you're still thinking, it is still you, but if you present everything as the first take of the argument, instead of the kind of retrospective, you be this kind of brilliant, confident person all the time. And so I kind of wanted to write from the perspective of the the person that could think of the witty line immediately or have the confident thing to say. Uh, And so I was really, really... Thorough in the writing of the album, so I wanted it to be really uh, confident, and and also I wanted it to feel like feel like I wouldn't I wouldn't want to change a single line, if that made sense, uh, and I think I I feel that way <laughs> I feel <laughs> that way today.
0: <laughs> so we started off with Lights Down Low, which was the first single from the album. I, I was just checking out the video for that today because that looked as though it was uh, was, was it was it an, uh, set in a fair when you filmed that. It
1: was. It was. Me and a bunch of friends went out to the fair, and I just kind of wanted to make uh, this carefree video of just having a good time. So it was a real DIY kind of music video. We made it ourselves. All of of my friends shot footage, and then we kind of compiled it together, and it was a real blast. So the whole song is kind of this carefree, what if you could kind of turn your brain off and, and just not worry. Uh, which seems to be a theme a lot in my music.
0: <laughs> do, do you think that was quite an empowering song? I mean, it's I I kind of regard it as like the first full song on the album because you yeah. know the uh, introducing Sweet Marie is, is very much just an introduction to the album, right. and th- this one comes yeah. in. It it feels very empowering.
1: Thank you. Thanks. I felt really empowered when I wrote the song. Like, I there's there's been a few times where I've written something and gone. I think that's a really good song. And I felt that way about this one. So I'm so glad you chose it to, to play because I, I love it. And I love singing it.
0: Now, one of the things that's interesting about the album is is the way that you have this ability to create these almost timeless songs. You know, over the years, you have been compared to icons like Carol King, Nina Simone, you know, it's interesting, Randy Newman's in there, because Randy Newman, there is actually a Randy Newman song on the album, which we'll talk about yeah. a little later. But I just wonder about the songwriting process that brings these together. I mean, when you write a song, do you really try and get in the zone with where you want to take it? Or, you know, is it, is it as calculated as that? Or is it just suddenly something comes to you?
1: I think it's more I, I make a decision to write something. And then I. I wish that it was more romantic, like that there was this bolt of lightning that just struck and it was like, I'm going to write this type of a song today. Uh, but it's more deciding that I'm going to write today and then I sit down and slog through it. Oftentimes it starts at the piano with a melodic line or a harmonic chord progression or something and then lyrics kind of come later. With this record, it happened in, in different you know fits and spurts where lyrics. I would sit down with lyrical ideas first and then I wrote some songs on guitar, which I'm not a fantastic guitar player, but I kind of wanted to try and do something different. And so a few songs on the album are, are written on guitar as well.
0: And when you're putting the songs together, are you thinking about the people you want to bring into the the studio with you? We're, we're going to talk about that in a few moments. But oh, I'm, sure. I just wonder if how much, you know, when you write it, I do get this impression that you're sitting there thinking, oh, yeah, I could get some, so-and-so to play on this. and so wouldn't that be very <laughs> cool if... If they join me.
1: I think that what happens is I write a bunch of songs, and then I think, who do I want, which songs would be best represented by these people? Who do I want to play with really badly? And who do I want to have this kind of recording experience with? And then which songs would work together with those people, and which songs work together as a collection? So there's 10 songs on this record, but there's probably 25 that I wrote, and, and some of them who just didn't end up on the record, based on who I was playing them with, or maybe they didn't fit together, or, or I didn't feel like they were good enough, you know? So it's it's kind of a combination of all those things, I guess.
0: So when you when you got together in Little Harbour to record, did you just record the 10 then, or did you record more than the
1: 10? No, we recorded just the 10. Yeah. And, and really, it was only going to be a seven-song album. It was going to be an EP, because we had three days of rehearsal, so really, the ten days, it was really seven days that we made an album in. And so it just ended up being, you know, I've had a few more songs that I wanted to, to record. And Randy, that Randy Newman cover felt like a really nice way to end the album since the album starts with kind of, <laughs> in a way, a criticism of him. And I love him so much. He's one of my favorite songwriters.
0: So tell us a little bit about the people that, that came together. I mean, you, it, it's a wonderful story, this, you know, going to, you know, this house in Nova Scotia, obviously... I mean, I'm assuming somewhere that everybody could stay during the recording process.
1: Yes, Um, yes, everyone stayed right in the house. It was beautiful and amazing.
0: Now, I know there is a film as well, which I think CBC has, and I think it's been shown in the Maritimes. It'll be across Canada later in the fall. Is that right? And that was filmed by Amelia Curran.
1: That's right, yeah. My good friend Amelia has been making documentary films. I mean, she's a wonderful, incredible Juno-winning songwriter, and now, of course decides that she wants to conquer another conquer another art form, and she does it brilliantly.
0: So tell us about the people on the album, then.
1: Uh, Glenn Milcham plays drums. He plays drums for Blue Rodeo. Uh, Anna Ruddick plays bass, and she's played bass for Randy Bachman and Bri Webb and Ladies of the Canyon, and I mean, the list goes on and on. For her, um, an organ player named Leif Fleming-Smith, and he plays with uh, Matt Mays, and Huxley workman, uh, and then of course Clive uh, McNutt, uh, my partner, boyfriend husband person <laughs> uh, play plays guitar brilliantly on the album
0: yeah, I always wonder when, how much input does Clive get when you 're pulling these songs together? does he is he, oh, he in Clyde a pri- has, privileged he position has
1: tons of input, but i don 't know how much I listen to <laughs> 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 like any relationship, you yeah. know you give your opinion but but ultimately he he does really respect that it's it's the album that we're making is my album, so you know, in our in our musical life, he's very, very supportive. I mean, he's supportive in all aspects of our life, but it's it, it is a challenge, you know, when you're in a relationship with someone who is, you know, very clearly the driver of the car, and then he's the passenger, uh, and then you have to allow for those things to switch when you're off the road. He calls it the moratorium, <laughs> like when we come off the road, there's a moratorium on me asking him to take the garbage out.
0: It, it sounds like you have fun, and you know, obviously, listening to the the final results, it's quite clear that that things really, really do work. Now, you also have strings and um some horns on this as well. You've got yeah. the Blue Engine String Quartet. I think they were on the last album as well, weren't they?
1: They were. They were absolutely. I've worked with them on a number of occasions, and and they're really great. And we've got a rapport now. So the way in which that I, I the way in which I write it's easy for me to have a dialogue with them uh, in the recording studio. So, and I'll, I love their playing. They're fantastic. Uh, and then uh, Andrew McKelvey and Andrew Jackson both played um, uh, horns. So Andrew McKelvey played saxophone and Andrew Jackson trombone. Uh, and they're great. They both play with Lido Camienta and um, Jerry Grinelli is a great jazz player out here. They're phenomenal musicians. And we're on the last record too. And then background singers are singers that I've worked with for a really long time. Coento is a fantastic songwriter herself, as is Leanne Hoffman. They're both really great. So I got to, to work with them again, and they're amazing.
0: So you mentioned it was actually 10 songs in seven days. Did you actually find it went really quite quickly once you'd had a chance to, to spend time rehearsing together?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that the right musicians in the right environment... And it really sounds like a bunch of musicians playing together and having fun. And it, it, it was the least stressful recording process I've ever had. I think I might be hooked on doing it this way because it, we would just get up in the morning, have breakfast together, make music for a few hours, then kind of chill out and, you know, go our separate ways and have a nap or whatever. I would continue writing often or editing. Uh, and then we'd come back and record again in the afternoon and then again in the evening. And it just flew by.
0: I imagine as well when you, you know, with the production you're doing with other people now, that must be a process that they have to go through pretty much every time, isn't it? That, you know, you have time in the studio with the producer and you're probably, you know, going to have to make sure you make best use of it.
1: Well, there is this feeling when you go into a traditional recording studio that that time is money, you know, and and that can feel stressful, especially if. You want to experiment or you want to try different things or you want to try different versions of arrangements. It can feel like the clock is ticking down. And and I don't know if it's the most creatively inspiring atmosphere to be in all the time, but this environment was great because we could record whenever we wanted. We could you know, try as many different takes or versions that we, we wanted to, and, and it really allowed... As soon as you feel relaxed, you're more creative. I think that's it.
0: And then going to this timber frame house where you all were together and not really i mean it wasn't really a studio right i mean you made it a studio for the time you're there do you think that that also worked better that it people didn't feel like they were actually in a a true studio space and oh my god we're under the clock now
1: that's absolutely it i mean i think that that is that was totally key to this experience and i would recommend it to any musician to to get out of of the studio environment and and try and make music. It was really great.
0: I'd like to play another track from the album and I've selected All in Your Head, but I, I've got to be completely honest here. I could have picked any of the tracks to play. This one is an interesting one because I think it's another one that delves into the dilemma behind decision making, you know. Can you talk a little bit about this song?
1: It's one of those songs where, you know, Clive and I were talking about this where you'd listen to a certain song and you bring something to it yourself. I think it could be you know, you could listen to it and, and apply your own backstory. It could be a very political song if you wanted it to be. But it's kind of, in a way, like that <laughs> that uh, song Mandy, where it's about a dog. This particular song is my, my song about aliens. <laughs> it's, it's after <laughs> listening or waking up in the middle of the night during the recording process and seeing this kind of green glow out the sky, and waking up the next morning thinking, what did I see? What did I see there? Was that... Was that what I thought it was? And the whole song is about a, a fictitious alien encounter. <laughs>
0: you know, I I do love talking to you because I have, always have this idea of what a song's about. Then I talk to you and say, "No, it's actually about aliens." But the, I wonder if I should just not tell people. But I think it's funny. Well, you know, the, I think the neat thing though is from a listener's point of view, and I think this is probably why you create music that can, you know, can go back and you know, there is a certain amount of homage to, you know, we mentioned Carole King, Nina Simone, some of the great singer-songwriters from the 70s and everything. And and in certain ways, you can see that this album does have a bit of that, but it also has this timeless quality as well. But I, I think that because we can all find our own meaning in a song, you know, certainly when I was listening to this one, I really felt that this is a song that, you know, that I could really connect with because of this idea that, you know when we're exploring our own feelings on certain issues uh, it yeah. really makes it very open for people
1: yeah i mean and I, and i think that when i'm writing lyrics i'm not necessarily thinking of being particularly vague but we have if you have a real connection to something and i hope that people do then you kind of put your own life experience onto those lyrics and as a result you make it your own so you know as soon as a song kind of goes out into the world it doesn't belong to me anymore which is so cool and i love it that you had a completely different idea of what it was about that's great
0: let's play that song just now this is erin costello with all in your head from her fabulous new album sweet marie and you're listening to folk roots radio with jan hall (laughs)
2: A stranger who sent me back down.
0: That's Erin Costello with All In Your Head from her great new album, Sweet Marie. Erin Costello is our special guest on Folk Roots Radio. She's actually out on tour and traveling with partner Clive McNutt to Toronto. Uh, They're heading out on quite extensive touring. We're going to talk about that in a few seconds. But before we get there, I do want to talk about what I think is a really exciting step for you. And that's the fact that this album will be going out on Compass Records worldwide. Uh, I wanted to give you a chance to to talk about how that feels.
1: That feels just so great. Compass is such a great, great label. Being affiliated with with a label that just has you know great respect for musicians and artists, and they're really supportive, is it's super exciting. And it also means that I get to kind of develop my career down in the U.S. and uh, and then get to go to all these exciting places. Uh, all over the world. So it's a huge, huge, exciting step for me. So I'm really grateful.
0: Well, certainly, I think the fact that Compass is run by musicians, for musicians, and, and out of Nashville as well, uh, yeah. you know, with Alison Brown being, uh, you know, really behind this, it, it does seem like suddenly uh, doors are opening for you.
1: Yeah. And, and you know, during this, the rec- recording of this album, I had in my mind that this might be my last record. And, For a number of reasons, but, you know, making music in this day and age is not always financially lucrative. Even if you sell a lot of records, it doesn't necessarily mean you're making any money. So that was challenging, but also kind of the emotional challenge of putting yourself out there constantly. And and I thought, well, maybe I'll just continue to produce records, but this will be my last one. And then during the process of making the record, I signed this Compass record deal and had this amazing experience with these musicians that I get to now travel all over the place playing with. It it made me just want to make more music. So I think people will be stuck with some more Aaron Costello records in the future. It's
0: so good to hear that because when I was reading the publicity material that came out, and then there was this sort of there was this note in there saying about you know the changes in the music industry that I know everybody is struggling yeah. with trying to understand you know how much music you should be producing on you know yeah. as a recording on a disc or an lp um, oh, you know versus so streaming seconds. it is yeah. yeah very confusing it's great to to feel that you've been able to to work through that i'm also excited by the fact that you it sounds like you might be able to to tour more with a band this time around is that right
1: yeah, I mean, all of the shows in Canada, the majority of shows in Canada are with a band. And then several of them in the U.S. are, are with a band as well. And then when we head over to Europe, it'll most likely be just Clive and I for the majority of the shows. But there might be an occasional show that we're able to kind of pull together a band for uh, over there. Uh, so it, it's really great. It's, I'm so thankful that these amazing musicians actually want to play with me. That's really like such a, a, a compliment
0: well, you have a lot of touring coming up. You're starting off in Canada. I know you've got dates in Toronto, Ottawa, Hamilton. I'm excited at the the fact that you were mentioning that you're going to be heading into the States. And I know you did uh, a bit down there last year. Um, yes. I think a lot of that was off with the fact that you were showcasing down in the States as well. Is that really the way to break the States open? It it's,
1: It was worked for me, but I would say, you know, for musicians, the best connection that you can make is with other musicians, and uh, and for me, I made a connection with a musician down there, Shannon McNally, and then uh, Mike Ferris, who is also on this label, Compass, and I think Mike, uh, well, Mike and I played a, a festival in Canada, in Bear Creek Folk Festival, and we just had a great connection, and I think that that really helped kind of solidify this deal with Compass, because he's a Compass artist and then turned ahead of Allison and Gary, who are, are the heads of the label. And things just kind of happen in the weird, a, a weird unfolding that you can't predict or try and kind of ma- manufacture, you know? So just make connections with other musicians, I think, is the best way to do it.
0: Well, looking at your tour schedule, which pretty much, as I mentioned, you've got Eastern Canada in there, you've got the States in there, a Western Canadian swing, and then into Europe. You're pretty yeah. much on tour for... Certainly, Never. it looks like, <laughs> well, I, I don't know what to disappoint you, but it, it's certainly the first half of 2019, I think, you will yes. be out touring this album. Yep. It must be really exciting to have that much support behind
1: you. It feels, it feels so exciting. It's my version of job security, but it also feels very exciting that I get to go and play this music for people and there'll be audiences there. And that's such a nice feeling when you finish a record that there's an opportunity for to share it with people, because that's kind of the reason that you do it, is to hope that it will it will like be heard. Um, so that's just so great, and like you said, we're on the road basically until the end of May, and and starting to book summer stuff uh, in 2019 now as well, so uh, we'll just keep busy, I think.
0: And what about on the production side of things? Um, you have time to, to get back in the studio and work with other people, or are you going to leave that yeah, until you get back?
1: Yeah, there's, there's some uh, plans for a few people. I'm finishing up a record with uh, one of the background singers that I mentioned, Leanne Hoffman. Uh, so her record will come out in in April, I think, of next year. And I produced Kaya Cater's new record, and that comes out on October 26. Fantastic banjo player and amazing songwriter, and she's made an album that I think is really important and topical and really beautiful. So I can't wait for that to kind of head out into the world as well.
0: I, I thought that was an interesting link up because you know as you mentioned kaya has done i think the first two albums on the banjo but the new album grenades is not mm-hmm. really a banjo album
1: no i mean she's she's got she plays banjo throughout it but she plays guitar on it uh, there's some keyboards on it but really it focuses on her really beautiful songwriting and lyric writing and she wanted to make a record i think that stepped outside of uh or went beyond the tradition of bluegrass and kind of pushed the boundaries Uh, for her a little bit. And so it was really fun to make that record, and I think it's gorgeous.
0: Well, it's certainly another great album to check out. I wanted to just steer the conversation back to Randy Newman, because we're not going to be able to play this track today, but there is one of my favorite Randy Newman tracks on there, I'll Be Home, is the Mm -hmm. last track on this album. And, you know, when I was listening to it, I think, you know, is there ever likely to be an Aaron Costello Uh, plays Randy Newman album I always kind of wonder because oh I
1: would love that uh,
0: you take this to a different place and I did wonder whether that was ever something you'd thought about or you know maybe I know you you have um I think you've covered Carole King before yeah uh whether you had interest in doing something a little different like that
1: well I did a a show a, a few years ago with a folk singer named Jenna Berry I don't know if you've heard her stuff but she's phenomenal from out east and um a, a woman who goes by cactus flower her name 's Jess Lewis, and the three of us did a uh, Randy Newman tribute show and we sang back up and has kind of three bard, three part harmonies on a bunch of his songs, which is so much fun, and it just made me want to record those songs and um you never know maybe we'll kind of get together as a trio and, and make a tribute record that would be really fun
0: i certainly would vote for that i'm definitely okay. would, definitely would be know. i definitely <laughs> would be interested in that it's great. been great as usual to talk to you i'm sure this album is going to do very well i'm obviously uh, very excited to see where it goes with the, the compass records hookup uh, if people want to learn more about your music how can they do that
1: Uh, They can go to my website, AaronCostello.com, just one L in my last name, or the usual Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. I have all of those those things as well.
0: So we only have one thing left to do, and that's pick the final song to play. I'd like to play My Love, uh, which is another one of the featured tracks on the album. Tell us about that song.
1: You know, after kind of going through this period of, of thinking every love song was a stalker song. (laughs) I really wanted to try and write a a love song that didn't feel possessive, that felt celebratory. And, And it's really difficult to write a love song and not feel like it's saccharine or just cheesy or too sweet. And so I felt really joyful when I would play this chorus. The chorus was the first thing I wrote, which is just my love, my love, my love for free. Everybody's singing my love for free. And I just would sing it over and over again and, and then ended up writing it, of course, about Clive, which I don't think I'd ever written a love song for him. I'd always kind of written about the idea of love or fictitious kind of love or, I don't know, I think it was my worry of being too vulnerable. But this song is, is for him and for everybody who's in love.
0: That's lovely. And he's in the car with you as well. I think that's such a nice he thing is. to nice thing <laughs> to say. Erin Costello, as always, it's a great pleasure to talk to you.
1: This is so Erin. wonderful to talk to you.
0: This is Erin Costello with My Love from her new album, Sweet Marie. It is a fantastic album. Since I picked up my copy, I have listened to it over and over. So, definitely check out your own and check out Erin Costello online. Thanks again for talking to us today.
1: My pleasure. Thank you.
0: You're listening to Folk Roots Radio, and I'm Jan Hall.
2: My love My love, my love Everybody's singing My love for free My love, my love, my love Everybody's singing My love for free The way you say my name When the lights go out, no one's ever said it like that, the way you hold it in your mouth. How can a word become a currency? When you say my name, it's all I need.